You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron's here. Scott Van Pelt's going to join us on the show today. We'll talk a lot of football with him, college football, Maryland, and then get to the NFL as well with the season getting ready to start tomorrow night with the Bears-Packers game. I'm going to do my AFC picks, uh, so I will work you through division-by-division records, wild-card picks, and then the eventual AFC championship game, and then the eventual AFC participant in the Super Bowl. So I'll do that to end the show today. And then tomorrow I'll do the NFC picks, and Tommy will be on the show tomorrow, so we will get um, his Redskins season prediction tomorrow. Um, Lots happened um, since the show ended yesterday. Uh, We had the reports about Trent Williams. D'Angelo Hall does a podcast uh, with Aaron Hawksworth. Aaron used to be at Channel 7. They're doing it for The Athletic. Um, We're going to get to that here momentarily. He had some news about Trent Williams. I think it's news, um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through that in a bit. There was also this yesterday after we left the show, and I didn't know about it even though it had happened earlier in the morning. Jason Bishop, Junkies, um, WJFK 106.7, had this story that Jay Gruden wanted to release Adrian Peterson, wanted to cut him Saturday, did not want to keep Adrian Peterson on the team in part because he knew that Adrian Peterson would be in his ear when he wasn't playing, and he didn't want to deal with that. That was the implication. Anyway, um, uh, that's interesting to me. Um, I know Jason, uh, and I know some of the junkies, I know Jason uh, pretty well, um, and they've been right about a lot of the stuff they've reported. I think we've gotten a lot right here as well. So I am not going to, d- to dismiss this at all um, as uh, p- you know, potentially true. I think it's interesting because the the thing that made sense for the organization in this offseason was to re-sign Adrian Peterson. Once they decided they weren't going to, you know, do a reboot, which would have been my strategy, um, it made sense to to re-sign Adrian Peterson. And you got him for nothing, basically, with a a lot of it on the come. You know, a lot of it's incentive uh related in terms of his contract. You had a guy that had a phenomenal year last year. You had your running back from last year that you drafted in the second round, Terra's ACL. You didn't know if he'd be ready or right by the time you got to the regular season. There was a lot that made sense about signing Adrian Peterson again, re-signing him. The only thing I think I said at the time, Aaron, was they could have they could have waited. You know, they didn't have to do it right away when free agency started. But Adrian, I don't think, had at 34 years old a lot of options. And he knew what he was getting himself into. He knew that Darius Geis was the future. Um, so they re-signed him. So I thought that made sense. And I think Gruden, perhaps, at the end of last year, if somebody told him, hey, Geis, we're not sure about um, the... Uh, you know, we're not sure about Geis uh, being healthy. I think Gruden at the end of the season would have said, hit, we got to bring AP back. But apparently, you know, there's even some suggestion that Gruden didn't want to re-sign AP in the first place. Um, Let's not forget that Darius Geis wasn't cleared to play in a game until two weeks ago, that Atlanta game on a Thursday night. So there was still um, the, uh, the possibility uh, that Geis was going to be slow to 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 get uh, to get cleared for for the season. Anyway, look on Adrian Peterson. 
Personally, if Jay Gruden doesn't have final say on the roster and he wanted to release him and management wouldn't let him, that bothers me. Jay Gruden should have final say-so over the roster. But at the same time, initially, you know, the organization should have been together on re-signing him and understanding that if you re-sign him, you're re-signing him to be on the roster, right? If they, they, they re-signed him in March not to cut him at the end of August, you know, and and not that there would be a significant salary cap hit by doing that, but it'd be a minimal cap hit. Why even do that? I mean, are you just going to bring him back in the event that Geis isn't ready to play? Maybe that's what Jay thought. I don't think that would have been the right strategy for Adrian Peterson, a guy that really, for all intents and purposes, carried you last year. It probably would have been in the team's best interest if they thought there was some sort of confrontation between coach and front office coming probably would have been in their best interest with that player to say you know what we can't assure you of a roster spot um maybe they did maybe they did I doubt they did but that bothers me that Jay doesn't have final say so over the roster it also bothers me that they wanted to release him because I'd keep him Darius Geis has been injury prone um, throughout his career, was injured at LSU, injured last year as a rookie. There's no guarantee he will hold up. Um, and the other part of this, too, is that, you know, part of the coach's job is to manage your star players. You know, you got to be able to manage players who aren't happy about playing time. Now, Sean Payton didn't do it. And, you know, they didn't do it in Arizona where AP, you know, was was upset about playing time. That could be that could be an issue with Jay saying the other day that Geis was going to be essentially the guy that the offense went through uh, with respect to the running game. The other thing too is that you know remember back in the spring how much he was talking up P Ryan <laughs> Jay like it made me think when I read this thing maybe that's why Jay was talking up P Ryan Jay was still talking up P Ryan after they cut him the other day said he's going to be a really good back in Cincinnati he's going to be really really he's going to play very very good he said in Cincinnati. Um, we'll see. Uh, interesting to see that his former team, where he was an offensive coordinator, even though it's a completely new staff, ended up taking uh, Samaj P. Ryan over the weekend. Um, I don't have any reason to believe that the report was inaccurate. I, I don't know anything about it. Hadn't heard anything about that. Was surprised to hear it because I think Jay was very positive about AP during the season last year and at the end of last year. Um, but it would be interesting, and it will be interesting, actually, if Geis gets the bulk of the carries, how Adrian Peterson handles that and how Jay Gruden manages that situation. I'm going to get to the D'Angelo Hall stuff in a second, and then we'll bring Van Pelt on. But just a quick two minutes on the baseball game last night. I will be completely honest with you. I've been so into the Nats for about a month. But last night, Aaron, I fell asleep at like 8.30. And it was four to one, and I didn't feel uh, like staying up made any sense. I was exhausted, um, fell asleep early. That's super early for me, um, even with my schedule. Um, I typically don't go to bed until about midnight. Um, and uh, last night I was exhausted, fell asleep, missed the whole thing, woke up at three this morning and saw what had happened, watched the highlights. That is an all-time comeback. You know, it's the biggest deficit overcome in the ninth inning in, in franchise history, or at least since they've come to Washington. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth to beat 
um, the Mets last night, 11 to 10. It was revenge, really, in so many ways for the just backbreaking loss that they had in New York about three and a half weeks ago when Doolittle came in to try to save a game that they had a 6-3 lead in, and Frazier cranked one out in front of a sold-out, you know, juiced-up Friday night crowd to tie it, and then Conforto won it on an RBI uh, double to end the game, RBI single to end, end, the, end the game, and beat the Nats 7-6, and then they got beat the next night 4-3 to in comeback fashion, so it's good to get one back on the Mets. Um, dramatic game, you know, sort of a memorable game, you know, regular season baseball games. You don't, you know, I guess real hardcore baseball people remember them. Most baseball fans remember postseason games. It's not like the NFL. There are 162 of them, but wow, Kurt Suzuki's three run walk-off homer, the final blow in a game, by the way, where the bullpen fell apart again, they gave up five to the Mets in the ninth inning, which created the 10, four deficit. And Scherzer was really good. I watched the first you know, few innings. He was really good in the first three, had a no-hitter going, actually, and then gave up four runs in the fourth. They need him back to normal. What a game, though. Nats, 16 of 21 now. They've won. But the Braves have won six in a row and 14 of 16, so the lead is still six and a half games. The crowd, another bad one last night. Mostly Met crowd from everybody that was there. Uh, 20,000 plus, you know, not a good crowd for, you know, a Tuesday night in September with a pennant race going on, um, and have, you know, essentially the opponent's fans be the, the majority of the fans there for some reason, you know, people, you know, don't like when you bash, you know, a local fan base or local crowd situation, but I, I don't really understand that it is, it is what it is. If you went to the game last night and people did, you know, 20,000 plus, if you were a Nats fan, you weren't at a home ballpark atmosphere, in a, in a home ballpark atmosphere. There were a majority of the fans last night, according to everybody that was there, were Met fans. Worst case, 50-50. Same thing on Labor Day. It is what it is, right? I mean, it's the Mets. The Phillies have done the same thing. And in a big series, and this is a big series for the Nats, huge series for the Nats, the Mets are trying to hang in there for that second wild card spot. They're a long way off now. Um, but you're going to get a lot of Met fans in the park. If the, if the Nats somehow played the Phillies in a wild card game at Nats Park on October 2nd or whatever that Tuesday is, be interesting to see what the crowd would be, look like. I mean, it could be the Cubs, too. And, and I remember that series against the Cubs. There were a lot of Cubs fans in the park. It's okay to talk about you know reality here. All right, It's a fan base that is truly niche. It is bigger, I think, in scope and volume than the Caps fan base. Probably equivalent to what the Wizards fan base is. But it pales in comparison to the eroded Redskins fan base. It just does. Compare, you know, television ratings like the, the, the Nats and the Caps and the Wizards. It, it's a fraction of what the Redskins do on television locally. And the Redskins numbers have tanked over the years in recent years. Um, but anyway, I do think that people will get excited about a postseason game and potentially a postseason series against the Dodgers, which would be really exciting. We've had four of them. The crowds have always been good. You know, not true, knowledgeable baseball crowds in my view. I've mentioned this before, you know, been told with a 3-2 count and two outs in the bottom of the fifth and or top of the fifth in a home playoff game to sit down because people behind me couldn't see. And I turned around and said, no, 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 stand up. This is what you do as a baseball fan at a big baseball game in the postseason. 
You don't tell people to sit down in front of you. You stand up. You got to get out of your phones. You know, you got to stop texting with your friends on the Hill about, you know, various, you know, political matters. Uh, If you're there at the game in a playoff game, you got to pay attention. You got to be involved. Got to act like a real baseball fan. You don't tell people in front of you with two strikes in the top of the fifth in a 2-2 playoff game to sit down. Can't do that. Uh, That doesn't happen in a real baseball town. But I think we've seen here in the last two days that it's not a real baseball town. Hasn't been. I would love it to be because I love this time of year in baseball. I love postseason baseball. But it just isn't there yet. It just isn't. Uh, You can look at the attendance. It's down. The attendance in previous years was very good comparative to the rest of the league. Um, But when you compare things like television ratings for meaningful games in October compared to other baseball markets, they pale in comparison. All right, let's get to this D'Angelo Hall thing and then bring Scott on. So D'Angelo Hall and Aaron Hawksworth have a podcast on The Athletic. Um, You know, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, they've got a lot of really good writers and now they've got some podcasts there. Um, And D'Angelo and Aaron Hawksworth are doing a podcast together. Last week, D'Angelo said, no chance Trent is coming back to the Redskins, that Trent Williams is coming to the the Redskins. This week, after talking to Trent, he changed his story. Here's what he said. I think he comes. I think he comes sooner rather than later. Um, I think he reports, um, and I think he's a part of this football team, and then I think everything else is just... It's just a mute issue. Um, you know, Bruce has said he, he'd make concessions when it came to the medical staff, whether it was having Trent use his own guys or bring his guys in or, you know, um, giving him the ability to get to his guys to get worked on or, you know, get, get looked at. Um, and so I think that will be resolved. Um, and I think the money thing is a situation where, hey, I think he's made his point if they don't want to pay him. Um, I think he still shows up because, like you said, he's, he, he doesn't want to default the rest of that money. He doesn't want to um, lose a season. He wants to be a part of his football team. Um, and so, you know, I think he shows up sooner rather than later. And I think once he's in the building, they start to figure out, hey, how can we repair this relationship? All right. So that was D'Angelo Hall yesterday, a week after saying that there was no chance that Trent was going to come back. He's obviously talked to Trent. And he's gotten a different feeling. Now, since the radio show ended this morning, Ian Rappaport um, has put out a tweet that says Trent Williams didn't report today, which would have been the, the first day of the true regular season because they've got the preparation for the Eagles. Here's the tweet. Um, this was the expectation, but now official Redskins left tackle Trent Williams did not show up at the team facility today to practice with his team. His holdout continues into the regular season, and he won't play Sunday. And then he says, at least. Um, it's been interesting that you know D'Angelo and even Rappaport yesterday uh, all suggested that this could happen sooner rather than later, but didn't talk about him coming back for this week. I I don't get that. Like if if Things are getting resolved, and Trent doesn't want to miss game checks, and maybe there's been some conversation. Why don't you just come back now? Like if it's if it's resolved, what's the sooner rather than later? But more sooner meaning like next week or the week after. I don't know why he wouldn't come back now. Um, the regular season uh, starts Sunday. They need him against the Eagles. I would have traded him. I would have traded Trent last January. I definitely would have traded him to Houston for a first and a third or whatever the Texans would have offered. And I think it's malpractice if the Redskins didn't listen. And I think that they done messed up 
if they didn't accept an offer that was made if they were listening. I would have done that. I think they would have looked good for doing that. I think you're going to get 13 games from Trent Healthy, another three played where he's injured, and then next year he'll have one year left on his deal and he's going to demand a contract extension, and you're going to have to think about paying him a lot of money at age 32 for it not to happen again next summer. By the way, not as much leverage next summer to trade him because he'll be 32 years old and he'll only have one year left on his contract. This was the year to strike. This was the opportunity to strike gold. This was the opportunity for the organization not to look bad trading him because they were forced into a corner and had to do it. And if Bruce had gotten an offer from Houston, which I think more likely than not, he certainly was approached by Houston, only makes sense, right? I mean, wouldn't you want Trent Williams instead of Laramie Tunsil? Tunsil's six years younger, yes, but Trent Williams is a better player and Houston wants to win now. They, I, I, I would bet any amount of money that they reached out to find out the availability of Trent Williams. And if they were told no, and they were told we're not listening to any offer, I just find that to be ridiculous and borderline sort of NFL roster management malpractice. That's how I feel. Now, you, I just don't know why you wouldn't listen. And if they were listening and Houston offered anywhere near what they offered Miami for, for Tunsil, and they turned it down, then I think they messed up. I think they made the wrong decision. I'm not saying that it's not debatable that a starting left tackle for a front office, a, an elite starting left tackle for a front office that wants to win now, that thinks they're close, isn't a better alternative to a first and a third they have the right to, to make that decision. I think they would have mistake. I, I think it would have been a mistake to do that. I think it would have been malpractice not to listen. That's that's really what I think with respect to the the front office. If they weren't listening to offers, I can't imagine that if Houston called up and you're on the other end, what are you offering? Why wouldn't you ask that question? You're not accepting anything. Why wouldn't you want to know what someone's offering? The fact that Houston got Tunsil maybe the reason these stories started to come out yesterday that now Trent realizes he ain't getting traded like the Texans were the last the, the the Patriots were a possibility but but Isaiah Wynn started to show something early in camp and then they dealt for two backup tackles so they were out the Texans uh, needed somebody they did not have a left tackle they've got Deshaun Watson and once they made the deal for Tunsil maybe for Trent he's like well now there's nobody to trade me to even if they were willing to trade me, um, and even if they got a great offer, there's nobody left. I don't want to miss out on game checks, and maybe that's accelerating the process of a return, or at least initiating the process of a return. D'Angelo Hall said something else on this podcast that I didn't hear until actually after the radio show today. I want to play it to you because it's insight um, into a conversation he claims he had with Bruce Allen about the possibility that the Redskins could have traded Trent Williams. Listen to this part. Yeah, so many different layers to this um, that, that, like I said, would have made this team better. Um, I will give you a glimpse into Bruce's mind right now. Um, okay. I, I, I asked him those questions, and Bruce simply said, you don't ask for a trade in, in minicamp. You ask for a trade in January, February, you know, before free agency, before the draft, you know, that's when you ask for a trade. So that was his, his comeback. 
if that's true, and I have no reason not to think that it isn't true, um, that's a bad answer, man. That's a bad answer. In fact, some of the craziest blockbuster trades, the biggest fleecings happen this time of year. From now until the trade deadline, where teams get desperate and they end up overpaying for players. If you cut off the possibility of trading a player when you know the draft ends and you get to minicamp and you get to OTAs and you get to training camp and you got a player that's holding out and you're you've got some sort of you know uh, uniform policy of we only make trades you know between January and April. Well, that's stupidity. That makes no sense to me. Look at what Miami just got back for Laramie Tunsil. Are you kidding me? Now, Tunsil's a good player. He's a potential really good player down the road. My God, did they strike gold there. Look at what the Raiders got from the Cowboys last year for Amari Cooper before the trade deadline. If the Redskins were offered a first and a third or a first, third, and fourth for Trent Williams from Houston, do you think they were going to offer that in January or February? I don't think they would have. I think you get closer to the regular season, they think they've got a team that can contend, and they don't have a left tackle, and they get uh, get desperate, and they overpay, and they essentially get fleeced by the Dolphins. The Redskins could have been in that position of fleecing the Texans. That's a bad policy, man. Bad policy. You only make tra- you don't ask for a trade at minicamp. You don't ask for a trade in training camp. Who the hell cares when somebody asks for a trade? You can strike gold in January. You can strike gold in August. You can strike gold in November or late October before the trade deadline. You should always be all ears on anybody that's really interested in one of your players and is willing to overpay for him at any point on the calendar. I would be, but that's just me. I'm not the GM, nor is D'Angelo Hall. Uh, Quick word about stamps.com. No one's got time to go to the post office. You're busy. Who's got time for all that traffic, parking, lugging all your mail and packages? It's a real hassle. If you are a small business, listen closely The Kevin Sheehan Show podcast is a small business. We use Stamps.com. Stamps.com has eliminated all of our trips to the post office. It saves us money with the discounts you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. So whether you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail's ready, you just give it to your mail carrier or you drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Now, here are the savings opportunities. With Stamps.com, we get, and you will too, five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. It's a no-brainer, saves you time and money. Over 700,000 small businesses, including ours, are already using Stamps.com. Now, my listeners get a special offer. It's a four-week trial offer plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in my code, KevinDC, that's K-E-V-I-N-D-C, that's Stamps.com, enter KevinDC. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt, uh, who we haven't talked to in a few weeks. Um, he took a lot of vacation this summer. You always do, and I and I always think about that because I think you're smart in that 
Um, people, all of this, you know, activity around the NFL's preseason and all the different, you know, reports that are coming out from all the reporters, the Rappaports, the Schefters, all, you know, all these guys. I think personally, most fans, most NFL fans aren't paying attention to all of that stuff. It's just noise and they're just waiting for post Labor Day in the games. I have a sense that you you sort of feel the same way and that a lot of this stuff that goes on is sort of boring to you. Yeah, no one cares. And people go on vacation and I want to go on vacation and so that's what I do. That's it. <laughs> that's your answer, but what do you what do you make of all the activity though? Like all the the holdouts, I mean, the constant, you know, 24/7 coverage on your network of the league of Melvin Gordon, of Zeke Elliott, of Antonio well, there's, Brown. There's nothing else to talk about. What else is there to talk about? What are you going to talk about the like here's the thing. Baseball nationally is a topic you can't do. You you can't do it. Because like people, people, this is what this is the biggest difference between football and baseball. People in Washington care about the Nationals, and people in Washington care about the Redskins. People in Dallas don't care about the Nationals, but they do care about the Redskins, right? Yeah, that's football and baseball in a nutshell. So trying to do like sports nationally, people check out, and and, and at some point, like I mean, what I make of all, <clears throat> excuse me. What I make of all the conversation is it's just you have we're on the air like it's the same as you like what are you going to do talk about like your trip to Bethany no <laughs> you can talk about sports so like it's all there is I mean now granted you could do nationals and by the way how about that last night uh, holy hell incredible that was in- I mean really amazing I slept um, right through but, it. I mean, see, well, I mean, when you woke up and you're like, they, they, they did what now? But, I mean, you could do that. But, I mean, for, for, it's, it's a difficult sell nationally, baseball. Um, so, for us, it's, it's real simple. It's talk about, uh, talk about football and, um, you know, talk about Ezekiel Elliott and talk about whatever. I mean, I couldn't help but think of Rigo. I'm bored, I'm broken, I'm back, right? right. I mean, it's, it's been going on forever, so this is this is just the newest incarnation, I guess. Yeah, the holdout's always been a, a, a part of, of sports uh, and the NFL in particular. I, I I think that what you're you're right. You have you have to fill the content requirement if you're doing a show, if you're doing programming, um, and you can't just sit there the entire time and say, "Hey, remember that incredible Kansas City Rams game on Monday night last year? Let's go back and watch some of that together." Even though personally, I'd rather do that on YouTube than sit there and watch, you know, somebody report on whether or not Melvin Gordon's going to report. But I, but I think I think you and I are are cut from the same cloth when it comes to this. We just love the games. And we like talking about the games that we've just watched or the game that we're about to watch. That's sports. And I also think that you get to a point in life where all the other stuff, it just seems like silly that people are all wrapped up into it. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it and it becomes difficult if you're if you're guys like you and me, because I mean, the game's the game and and you know, look, there's stuff about it that's interesting, the ancillary things, but it's just it, when that's all there is, you know, that is the entree. I mean, that is the, that is the, you know, the garnish or something. That's fine. But if that's all there is on the plate, it becomes a, it becomes hard to really conjure up an appetite for it. 
Yeah. I, I mean, none of it, you know, we've had to deal with the Trent Williams situation here all summer. What's going to um, happen with that? Well, I mean, D'Angelo Hall, who just launched a podcast with Aaron Hawksworth, last week said zero chance, talk to Trent, zero chance he'll ever play for the team again. And then the next week, (laughs) as in yesterday, talk to Trent, and there's a, you know, I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. What he's done in two podcasts, I think they're doing, are they doing Aaron a weekly podcast, the two of them together? Something like that, right? Yeah, I believe it's weekly. So he's gotten headlines for both of his podcasts. Good for him. I don't know if he's right or wrong. Um, but but that situation, it's weird, Scott, in that a lot of these situations that happen, you have a sense of each side's position. There's been not one comment from Trent Williams or his agent and not one comment from anybody in the Redskins front office during this entire standoff. Not one. You can't find Bruce Allen saying, other than back in June, I t- I've talked to Trent. I know what Trent thinks. I know what his what he thinks and what he feels. Nothing's come out of Trent. Now, it's come through surrogates like D. Hall, like Santana Moss. Um, we've, we've heard some of that. Um, but nothing directly from any of these people. So it's really hard to figure out what the hell's gone on. You hear from... Williams, you know, surrogates, the people that uh, you essentially think that he's speaking through, it's this, you know, tragic medical situation that the team has. And yet when you talk to people behind the scenes at Redskins Park, they're seething because they don't think they have a medical staff problem. In fact, their training staff won the award last year for the best training staff in the NFL. So, yeah, it's been hard to figure out. I I don't know. I would have traded him. Uh, I would have taken the offer if the Patriots were interested in offering a first. I would have waited. Um, I I wouldn't have taken that one, but I would have waited for whatever Houston offered. I think Houston probably went to the Redskins first uh, before going to Miami for Tunsil. And, you know, given what they offered Tunsil, they probably, you know, were talking first and a third or something like that to the Redskins. I would have taken it. Yeah. I mean, it's the, I, I clearly. I mean, Houston's been fascinating. I mean, they're operating without it. They, they fired their GM after winning the division, and now they're. I mean, how about this, Kevin? They they gave they gave up a third to get Duke Johnson, and got a third for Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, I, I, incredible that that that's all they they ended up getting for Clowney, who. I think you and I I'd had to try this... to sit down to play cards. I'd try to sit down to play cards with them. Yeah. Well, they don't. <laughs> they don't have a GM. That's that's what I just said. They're yeah. operating without a GM. It's kind of an interesting scenario they got there. <clears throat> the, the whole clowny thing, too. Um, I don't know. I I I don't get bogged down in stats and all of that stuff. I just watch the games like you do. And there were a lot mm-hmm. of people that said, you know, Clowney's okay. I don't know what they're watching. That guy's a menace on the football field, and you have to game plan for him. He's one of the, you know, the dozen guys in the league defensively you have to game plan for. That's what I thought going into it. I'm surprised that Seattle essentially got him for a song. With the because of the contract and the uh, putting the franchise on him. I mean, you can't negotiate an extension. Blah blah blah. Anyway, I mean, it, it's. I mean, look, this is all the stuff that we talk about in lieu of games, and now, thankfully, we have games. Yeah. All right, let's get to the games. And we had a week of college football here, finally. Uh, big takeaways from you on the first week of college football. 
Um, that like it, the SEC had some losses. You know, SEC East had a rough week, so it becomes ha ha. The SEC stinks. Well, all right, the the depth of the league maybe is overstated. Now maybe the depth of the league's overstated. Uh, fine. The top of the league is still Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think that. Take the, take your top three teams out of any other league, and then let me know how the rest of your conference looks. I mean, how how, how do you look after you take away your your top three? I mean, um, so that became that became uh, kind of a significant headline. Um, the the and the depth of the league does include Auburn. How they won that game, I don't know. Um, Bo Nix wasn't very good until he had to be. Um, made a couple of throws that the, 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 he was actually on the show and, and explained to me that, that the way the clock was, they, they just felt like they were going to take a shot, and he gave his guy a chance to make a play, and he did. I mean, if you lost that game either on the field or at the window, I mean, you got to be wondering how that happened. Um, that, that's a gross loss for Oregon. Really, really tough for that whole, you know, for that league and for that team. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I felt like, that, and maybe this is sort of in the weeds for your listeners. I don't know if people are, like, dyed-in-the-wool college football fans. Like, I, I thought Boise State, the way they won at Florida State was really interesting and kind of speaks to the fact that Florida State's still reeling maybe a bit as a program. Um, USC losing their quarterback um, probably means Clay Helton is going to be in big trouble because their schedule's brutal, so that'll start the Urban Meyer conversation. And I've never believed for a second that he's done coaching football. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just a bunch of different sort of buckshotting of last week's, uh, different things that happened. I want to go back to the, the last week in a moment, but on urban Meyer, it just would be weird to me. Like I, I, Ohio state was sort of the dream job and he's there and then he leaves, um, and he's going to reappear a year later at Southern Cal. Great job. And he'd kill it there. It just it, it seems odd when you see people like this move around, especially from the jobs that you think were their you know dream and final jobs. Uh, well, I mean, look, I'm not reporting this. I'm just the guys working. Everybody's talking out in Los Angeles. As, yeah, of course, and I mean, I just I think people are wired how they're wired and like i get that you go through these physical you know ailments and he dealt with it at florida i mean how much of it was what was going on behind the scenes and how much of it's medical how the hell i don't have a clue but he stepped away goes to ohio state obviously killed it there steps away again he's a young man he's he's this is what he does and i mean sc has really managed to mangle their situation across the board i mean that's the athletic department, the admissions, I mean, like, they've made messes of things that, like, you can't get out of their own way. But if you just take a deep breath at, at USC and go, we've got all the money on earth, you back the truck up to Urban if they move on from Helton, and you say, what do you want? Figure it out. You can recruit globally. You can be in this league. This league has been down. You can resurrect it in a, in a hurry. I just think that kind of stuff appeals to somebody that's that's clearly got the – the acumen to do it and has to have enough of an ego to think, well, yeah, I want to, I mean, yeah, I'd be interested to, to shine up this USC trophy case. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's certainly one of those marquee jobs. It's just, it's odd. And I'm sure the way it ended at Ohio state with everything that was going on over the last year, maybe it left a bad taste in his mouth. You mentioned the health that's been an issue before who knows, but a guy like that has to compete. You know, he's, 
Uh, I've watched him on the uh, on the Fox uh, show, and you know uh, that that's that can't last more than a year. You know, it just doesn't seem like it's something that he's going to love. By the way, on Southern Cal. You know, I actually, and, and I don't think Clay Helton's a terrible coach. I actually liked their team coming into this year. They won that opener, now they lose their quarterback, so it may turn out to be a bad year, but I actually thought that team was decent. Um, the Oregon thing, real quickly, uh, the, the number was four and a half, right? Four, four and a half. So they're going for yeah. two, which Auburn should have done at the end. I mean, major, major malpractice there. They nearly <laughs> lost. I mean, they, if they had lost on a Hail Mary 28-27, they would have been killing Malzahn, uh, justifiably so. But, God, I, I thought Oregon looked great for two and a half quarters, and Justin Herbert looked the part for two and a half quarters. They really should have had, like, a three-score lead in that game. I think they're a yeah, good they team. Yeah, they should have. I agree. It was a really odd game. There were about three or four different plays and things that happened. That like we, I came on after the USC game at like two thirty in the morning on Saturday, and when we're trying to put the highlight together, we were just looking at each other like, we're going to have to leave out so many insane plays because otherwise it's a five minute highlight. Right. Um, it was. It, I mean, it was. It was an odd. It was an odd game, but it was. I mean, again, I, as I said a moment ago, like. I mean that's that's the kind of loss that just sticks with you because it's a game that you you should have won and you don't get it back and you know you've got to spend the rest of the year year kind of trying to dig out from the hole that your league has created for itself. I mean everybody thinks that league stinks; they can't get a seat at the table. Yeah, it's one of the things that I love about this sport is how important every single game is, including the openers, and what it does to the narrative of the league for the rest of the year. I mean, that was a huge game for the Pac-12, as was the Washington game last year against Auburn in a, in a similar spot. Um, there's a lot of football left. Some people hate that you know your season, your your playoff chance can be decided in Week One. I love it. I mean, and I don't know that their playoff fate was sealed by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of football to be played, and they looked like a really good team. I mean, one of the better teams I've seen in the Pac-12. I, they'll go back and kick themselves, you know, a, a million times for the lost opportunities they had to build like a three-score lead in the first half. Um, but that looks like a good team to me. I agree with that. But the thing is, is when you're when your league. When your league's identity has been sort of the perception of it has, has been formed, and you lose a game like that, then all you get the rest of your year is a chance to go play against Stanford and Washington and Washington State, and you know they don't they don't play Utah unless they you know unless they meet him in the uh, title game, I guess. And um, yeah, that's a that's a team. Did you see them yeah. against BYU? Their, I, I their said, defense said, is nasty. Yeah, they really they got they got some fellas on that side I of the ball, they do. like big, big angry men, and uh, that's that's an interesting team that a lot of sort of the pundits, I guess, had penciled into the to the playoff, which was like, whoa, I mean, that's really um, so. I don't know. Well, well, I guess we'll see what the deal is with that league. I mean, like it's September the fourth, you know. <laughs> I know there's there, but it is. I, I I love this time of year when. You know, you can dream of maybe you know a new player in 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 the playoff because I still, 
the odds are heavily stacked that we're going to see, you know, a combination three of the following five teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Like three of those five, those five will likely be in the playoff, and that's what stinks about the sport right now. We can dream about outsiders. Like I, you just mentioned Utah, and their defense is nasty, and if they were to go undefeated, it would be hard to keep them out. Um, I think you know that in the SEC, I actually think Auburn and Florida's defenses are really good, but probably don't have enough offensively. But I'd love to see an outsider from the SEC, somebody who hasn't been in it, make it. LSU's I got a shot. I actually like Joe Burrow. I liked him last year. I think he's the best quarterback they've had in a while. Where is that game, uh, the Bama? Um, is that in Tuscaloosa this year? It is, right? I think it is LSU Alabama. Yeah, yeah, they played down. Uh, they played down in. Uh, and, and, and there Rays it is last in year. Bama, and they've got a. I mean, that's the game. One of the games of the week. I guess we've got two of them: A and M Clemson and LSU Texas uh, Saturday night. Um, before we get to Maryland, and then I want to get to the NFL a little bit. Just are there teams that you think um, could be sort of outsiders busting the, the playoff party this year that you you really like and are going to be watching all year long? I have no idea. How about that? Really? I mean, I, I have no clue. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. And I don't mind saying that. Okay. Um, Can I interest you in the, in, like, in LSU or Michigan? Well, you you're calling it. You're calling the uh, uh, the sixth ranked team in the country an outsider. Yeah. LSU. Yeah, I'm talking about a team that hasn't been to the outside playoff of yet. what team? A team what that hasn't been to the playoff yet. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. New blood okay. into the playoff. Well, uh, I'll tell you what's interesting about about LSU. That they hire this guy. Everybody's looking for the new young guy. And by the way, I, I said the other night on the show, like Lincoln Riley can't can't coach Oklahoma more than like how how much longer can that guy be there? Um, the, the NFL is just going to say, "What do you want?" and and they're going to pay him. And yep. at some point, you just you just go because he's. I mean that that's what you do. He's going to leave. I mean. Cliff Kingsbury is actually a guy I've gotten to know through the years. I consider him like we have a friendly relationship, so I'm, I, I like him. He went up sub five hundred, got fired, and was hired in the NFL. Right. I mean, that's that's what the NFL. They're they're so desperate for guys that have that kind of offensive brain. Like a dude like Lincoln Riley, I think will be in the NFL. Who knows? Maybe next year. But all of this is sort of a way to get to this Joe Brady guy that LSU hired away from the Saints. If you haven't read about him, like he's he's a guy that kind of like a McVeigh mind that people just are like this this guy's got it right here, and LSU whose offense for years has just held them back, um, they come out zipping it around. So this game Saturday against Texas is really really fascinating because Herman has been phenomenal in these spots as an underdog, um, winning on the field and winning with Vegas. So here comes LSU in with this new guy Brady and his offense and Burrow, who's very capable, and a zillion different five-star guys all over the field. So, sure, I mean, I just didn't think of them as an outsider. I thought you were asking me to give you, like, somebody off the grid. No, no, no. I was talking about we've had essentially the same group of of participants in the playoff. I'd like some new blood in the playoff. Um, I I agree with that because I think think at some point, if it's just Oklahoma, if it's some combination of Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama – then people get bored. Yeah, no, I, I, I think. Yeah, that, I, mean, I mean, that's it, true. It's got to be, got to be. Just give me some new jerseys. Give me some new fan. That's base. what give I'm looking. For. 
That, that's what I was asking. All right, All right. so I'm Maryland watching. opens up 79 nothing, and they also open up as a two-and-a-half-point dog to Syracuse, and now they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Syracuse. By the way... Um, it's really interesting. Is Chris Falica ESPN? It does, it's Felica. Felica? Okay, Felica. sorry. I don't, I don't know yeah. who... Is he the guy he that is. does He's... the show with Stanford, Steve? He is. He's the, 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 better known as the Bear on Game Day. Felica oh, that's the Bear. I just know him as the Bear. I, I had no idea what his name was. That's my fault. Yeah. Um, now you know, Felica yeah. the Bear. That's okay, him. so so Felica put out a tweet that said since 2015, teams ranked between 20th and 25th that are underdogs against unranked teams are four and 19 straight up. And by the way, I think we've mm-hmm. been on a lot of those teams, a lot of the unranked teams that were favored over the ranked teams from 20th to 25th over the years. And this sets up as another one, unranked Maryland against 22nd ranked Syracuse, now is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Explain. Well, I mean, I, I you know, it's... it's is it free money? Um, I All summer long, uh, Felica... And I have been kind of joking about this spot for Maryland because Syracuse, Dino Babers is a really good coach. And that program has done a quick 180 under him. You know, they've got momentum and this and that. But somehow, I guess among their fan base and whatever and perception-wise, this Maryland game seen as like a trap game for yeah. them because they've got, they've got Clemson coming in next week. And, and it's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> Like in what, in what exist, like, I mean, and maybe this, I mean, this is clearly the Maryland in me showing, but like, when, when did Maryland become your trap game? Like where Maryland becomes the little, the little, the little pebble in the road, you're going to trip over mighty Syracuse. Um, and it's just, it's a really interesting spot where they open up back to back on the road before hosting Clemson. Um, and again, I want to make this clear. They, the program's got momentum. Syracuse does. They've they, they've done some nice things yeah, here. Babers is good, but I, I I like them a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to like, but I I think I think Maryland um, talent for talent is, is not going to be undermanned in this spot here, and um, the Vegas bit of it where, where the number came out kind of short and then gets pounded the other way is like whoa. But I mean, and this is where maybe your listeners that don't pay attention to this, their eyes gloss over, but you and I pay attention to this. It's not like the public's hammering Syracuse. It's not like the dopes are on Syracuse either. So that part of it's confusing to me. Like, you normally don't see power five numbers come out and move four or five points unless someone's injured, but this one has. So, you know, there's... If you pay attention to stuff like that, there are things that, that, that point you in the direction of thinking this could be a good spot for Maryland. Um, but I just I, look, just push back from this and say, if you're able to beat Syracuse, then don't then don't get silly and go up and lose to Temple, who came in here and beat Maryland last year. You know, you 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 have an opportunity in front of you if you get this one, you know, to potentially open three and zero with a Friday night home game against Penn State, um, with all the momentum in the world on your side. So it, Saturday's a big deal for Maryland. It really is in terms of the trajectory of locks in this first year. Totally agree. Uh, it's and, and I'm glad that they have sort of a, a significant game. Um, it seems like it's been a while since they've had one. I'm sure there have been a couple here and that. there. 
<clears throat> but it seems like it's uh, it's a big deal. I've talked it up a lot on the podcast and on the radio show. Loxley's on with me on the radio show um, every Friday. Um, I like him a lot, by the way. Um, just a normal dude, and you can totally see how he recruits well. He's a great communicator, um, and all yeah, and of the he, things. And he's and he's and it matters to him. Like this, 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 this is you know. Um, this this place matters to him. He's from this place. He this is what he wants to do. He wants to build this thing, and he's done everything he can to get out and try to pound the pavement to try to you know encourage people to 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 get on board here. And a, a game at noon on ESPN against a ranked team, um, if you can win it, then you 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 can start slowly building it back. And it's going to be a slow build, um, but. You know, I'll say again what I said from the beginning. He was the guy that could come in and help extricate Maryland from the situation that, that um, I don't think anyone else could have. All right, uh, let's move to the NFL. Um, have you had your silly little fantasy draft with your friends there already? Uh, yeah, I have. I sure have. Yeah, do you have a? Good, do you like your team? Um, you know, I, I you know that you. These sites will give you, you know, they'll hand out grades about how they feel like the drafts went. I mean, I've, I've been getting, I've been getting all A's, Kevin. I get A's when I draft. Really? I go to title games. Yeah, I win titles. Is what I do. It's really and amazing. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. The transformation here over the years from a guy that would mock anybody that would do fantasy football to now mm-hmm. a guy who's what's the fantasy guy expert at ESPN that I can't stand. What's his name? Matthew Barry. Matthew Barry. He's become like your best friend. Um, I understand. How did this happen? It's really hard to to figure out. Stanford Steve murders me. He's just, he'll just say, you are the worst. And and he's right. He's right. No one made more fun of this than me. And, um, and now I, uh, I, I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy it because I'm, I'm, um, I, I, it just gives you something to pay attention to. That's all. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you can pay attention I, I to the I, I, to the big boy stuff, which is like you know the Redskins plus nine and a half on Sunday at Philadelphia, which I actually really like a lot. Um, I, I I I understand. Yeah. You, and and, and I and stuff. I was always the guy that said, hey, if you want to be interested, <laughs> take the nine and a half. You're in and you're out in three hours, and you can still you can still certainly do that. I'll say this honestly, it helps me be better at my job because. You know, I know, I know the the wide receiver depth. Like I wanted to get Trey Quinn. I didn't pick him up. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him. Feel like he's going to be, you know, a valuable pass catcher in that Redskin offense. <laughs> well, you, we've both always said that because we bet sports, we actually had a perspective that people who didn't bet it just didn't have, and it was it was an it was an edge in sort of, you know, analyzing and talking about sports. I've always felt that way. And look, I've been in fantasy leagues forever. I had to be at work, and I think I've told you, I've won it twice with auto-picking the original roster. Now, I tweaked the rosters, you know, after they were auto-picked, um, but ended up making there you the, go. Didn't what, care, but, but cared enough to tweak rosters. I well, you. I mean, I, I don't want to be completely humiliated by starting five guys mm. that are on a bye week. Mm. You know, um, but or, or three guys that were injured, but I've I've never quite it, it's never come close to the the rush and the pleasure I get from actually wagering on a game. Like it's they're not comparable. 
Don't tell me that they're comparable for you. Well, when I won the league that I won last year for the, um, you know, for the whatever I got for it, it absolutely did. (laughs) Really? Okay. What did you win? How much did you win in that fantasy? We can talk offline about the check that I got if you'd like. I'm not going to discuss it No, I think you told me. I think you told me, and and you don't want to share it. I I mean, it was... That's great. Merry Christmas. That's great. You know yeah. what? I so, let's try let's try to hit a little two or three team money line parlay on Sunday and see what that pays. Um, who do you like in the <laughs> NFL this year? Is there? I mean, other than the usual suspects, is there a team that you 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 liked? I mean, we know every year there are going to be four or five of them that nobody's expecting to be good that will be good. Who do you like? Denver. Oh my God! We haven't talked about this. That's my team. Denver. I think their defense is going to be nasty. Awesome. I think Fangio gets the, he gets there. That guy Chubb that they got, you team him up with Miller. I think Flacco is a perfect quarterback in a team that's got a good defense. Um, like Denver, Denver, Denver is the team that that no one will talk about because Flacco's become he's talked about like oh. he's a bum, a bum. And I mean, we've t- you and I have talked about this for years. Whether it was on the various shows we've done. Um, that, that he's actually quite capable. Uh, you know, is he a superstar quarterback? No, but he's he's quite capable. Uh, Denver's a team that I think nobody has said boo about. That I that I think could be good. Uh, I think I, I'm interested in in what Brissett does in in a second shot with this Colt team that I think's talented, uh, as uh, more talented than people probably realize. He took all the reps in the offseason. Frank Reich made that point. So it's like. All of a sudden, oh, I guess T.Y. Hilton, what, he's not going to catch a pass because Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback? They've been working together the entire offseason. Um, I feel like the Colts are a stock that has been shorted that I buy on, just on principle. Um, outside of that, like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what Garoppolo is with the Niners, and I'm just trying to go with teams I don't feel like are, are necessarily talked about. But the, the team that will be the most interesting is, is Cleveland just because how they went from being – the, the punchline of hard knocks a year ago to the favorites to win the AFC North is just astounding. Um, but that guy Kitchens, their, their coach, I don't know if you pay attention to him. He's awesome. He's funnier than hell and he'll say anything. I haven't paid that much attention to him. Um, other than that hey, one, you, listen, you'll like him. Yeah. You'll other like than that him. one moment where he basically said, if, if anybody leaks anything to the media, they'll be, they, they'll be fired no matter who they are. So I, 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 I'm wondering, maybe I don't think we've had this conversation together, which is we odd. Haven't. But I have well, been. You don't call. You don't call me. You haven't so called me recently. I, I've been on Denver forever. That is my. I just did my AFC picks um, on the radio show, and I'm going to do them here when we get done. Denver's making the playoffs this year, and I've already bet their over uh, total. I bet. I bet that is a future. Uh, this year, um, I like. I, I don't know if they, they win the division, but I think they'll, they'll be in the postseason. Fangio, this was something interesting. The John Kime did this story about some of the former Redskin assistants that are now head coaches that were on the Shanahan staff, Lafleur, uh, you know, McVeigh, Kyle, and then Zach Taylor off of McVeigh's staff. And they were all asked about the guy that was the most difficult guy to game plan for and to beat with their offense. All of them said Vic Fangio. And and that team defensively has ridiculous talent. Chubb 
and right. Von Miller, as you mentioned, that's the best combo edge pass rushing threat in the league. They were good defensively last year. They just couldn't do anything on offense. And I, you know what I think right. about Flacco. And of course, and that's why uh, that's why I was you know, I was picking up Denver in my my fantasy drafts. Yeah, pick up Denver. There you go. It's a kind of kind of kind of intel you use to to win some leagues. I like Pittsburgh too. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh's going to be good. I agree. I agree. I think. I mean, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm seeing that Antonio Brown decided to tweet out something about the fines he got first uh, for uh, during training camp, and um, he said the the devil is a lie. Everyone's got to pay. I mean, that guy is my God. You can have him. Ugh. You can have him. And 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 I'm not saying that that Roethlisberger like is. It, it, I, I have no idea. You know what role he played in that, what went on in that relationship there. But I mean, Brown is just—he just does so many things that are just, just not what adults do. And there's no one that can tell him to stop. No. Like no, he'll listen to no one, no one. He's ungovernable. Like no, he's in charge of him. He's going to tweet what he tweets. He's going to say what he says. And so Pittsburgh, do you get better when you lose a guy like that? Well, no, you're not as talented. But I mean, is the situation better because you don't have somebody that makes everyone nuts? Pro- maybe has to help, doesn't it? Yeah, that's where like, that's where it helps. And the, and the truth is, they have talent wide receiver. You know, they've got Smith Schuster, they've got James Washington. They got. Yeah, I mean, I, he'll be he'll be interesting. He'll be interesting to see what he does, and they'll throw, and they're going to chuck it all over the lot because that's what they do. So, I don't know, man. Just it's it, there's it, starting tomorrow. Uh, We've got games, you know. That's that's all we want. Thank God. Yeah, I, I I think that the Raiders are the team that, and I watched some of the hard knocks. I haven't seen the last episode. It was insufferable to watch. And by the way, John Gruden was insufferable to watch. But I think that's the team this year I'm rooting for the most to lose. I'd love to see them completely fall flat on their ass, including in that uh, opening Monday night game against our favorite team this year. Uh, not including for me the Redskins, uh, the Denver Broncos, who I'll, I'll be rooting for in the AFC this year. All right, um, how did you do in winners last week? I, I, I know we had a couple of the same games, I think. I went one and two. What not, did you do? Uh, well, two and three. Um, I gave out Nevada, who won outright against Purdue, but um, I had Liberty against Syracuse. They managed to fumble a couple of times inside the 20, which didn't help a team getting 17. Who else? Did I? I gave Georgia Southern. Their quarterback got hurt, and they got beat by a billion by LSU. So it was. But I mean, I, I made the point on, on the show. Like, I don't love any of these, but I'm kind of mandated to, to give picks because that's what we do on Thursdays. So I'm looking at the board this week. I don't love the board this week either. To be honest with you. Oh, see, I, I, I I'm surprised. Have you? I, I, I went through it last night. There are a couple of them that that reek. Like st- Friday night, you know, Boise with that comeback, and they're laying 10.5 to Marshall. That number's come down from 12. Marshall looks right to me. Missouri, who got, you know, um, who got beat. Uh, they're playing West Virginia, who barely beat JMU, and they're laying 14. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, look, I mean, A&M's getting a lot from Clemson, but Clemson beats people by billions. Yeah. Did you see – either one of you, Aaron, did you see the Alabama line this week? Have you seen it? 55 or something? Yeah, yeah. F- 54 and a half, 55. What is the biggest New point Mexico, spread ever? I don't know. I mean, but New Mexico State got beat by Washington State like 58-7, so I guess they figure if you get beat by them by that, what's Alabama going to do? 
Yeah, I, I'm. I, I I know we've seen fifty something before. Um, I don't know that we've seen fifty five before. Maybe we have. Uh, typically, when Bam has been a huge favorite like this, that you know they win like forty one to nothing or something like that. Like they don't even score the total. I, I, these games are interesting because the over under total is sixty four and the line is fifty five right now. That's a tough fit, you know, if you want the uh, if you want Bam and the under. Um, it's a tough, tough squeeze there, but I bet I bet I bet the easiest bet is New Mexico State doesn't score. Did you find it, Aaron? Biggest point spread ever? Yeah, I believe Savannah State played Florida State in what year was this? Looks like twenty seventeen, and it was seventy and a half. Really? Yeah. Well, Savannah State wasn't a Division One team, so it would yeah. have been, you know, right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could find you could find offshore lines when people yeah. play like FCS or whatever the hell they call it. Right. All right. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Maybe. Uh, did we did we lose him there? We lost him. Perfect timing, though. We lost him just in time for a guy that you know has been so gracious with his time over the years, coming on radio and on the podcast with me and how, I mean, how many times have we had issues with his phone? Many times over the years, we didn't have one issue with his phone. And when he finally did have an issue with his phone, we were done with him. So perfect timing. All right. I want to finish up the show with, uh, with some picks. Uh, I did this on, on radio earlier. You just heard one of my picks with Scott. Um, but I'm going to do AFC today. I'll do NFC tomorrow. And when I finish with the NFC, we'll have our Super Bowl matchup, and I'll give you my Super Bowl winner. Um, but here are my AFC picks. All right, let's get to these picks. Um, start in the AFC East. The Patriots are going to win the AFC East. 11-5 and five is the record. They lose Gronk. They're still the best team in that division. But what I want to mention about that division are two other teams that I think are worthy of keeping an eye on. I think Buffalo's got some talent, and I think the Jets have some talent. First of all, these were good defensive teams in 2018, Buffalo in particular. They add Ed Oliver from Houston. I've heard nothing but rave reviews about Ed Oliver. Remember, Aaron, he was a guy that dropped a little bit because of attitude, work ethic, some of that stuff. No one, no one doubts his talent as an interior defensive lineman. You put him next to uh, Lotulele and Jerry Hughes. You know, you still have, by the way, two ex-Redskins on that roster and Alexander and Trent Murphy and then Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you know, the, the, the first-round pick in 2018 out of Virginia Tech, I think he was only like 20 years old when they picked him. He looks like the legit part as a linebacker and as a havoc wreaker. I've always been a Micah Hyde fan. Um, in their secondary. Buffalo's defense is really good. The coordinator is Leslie Frazier. The head coach is Sean McDermott. They've got a very good defense. Offensively, we get to see Josh Allen here in year two. They traded LaShawn McCoy, or they, you know, he's in Kansas City now. They do have a back that they drafted that I really liked coming out of Florida Atlantic, and that's Devin Singletary. Um, they've, they've got Gore, believe it or not, on that roster as well, and TJ Yeldon. But keep an eye on Devin Singletary in Buffalo. The Jets are the other team. Um, they've got talent. Uh, this, this team may be a year off from contending for something, but I think we saw enough from Sam Darnold last year to believe 
And they add Le'Veon Bell into that backfield uh, this year with a defense that has talent and is added to that mix. You already had Leonard Williams. You know, now you add C.J. Mosley to the mix. You already had Jamal Adams in the back. You add now Tremaine Johnson to the mix. This is a good defensive team. Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator. Adam Gase, the new head coach. I think the Jets and the Bills are teams to watch. I've got them both finishing at 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC East. Patriots win it at 11-5. and five. Dolphins bring up the rear. I've got them as the worst team in football, finishing 2 and 14. Let's move to the AFC North. I just mentioned it to Scott. I like the Steelers a lot. I think they've got talent. I think losing Antonio Brown will ultimately be more beneficial for the team. Sure, they're missing out on one of the most explosive players of the last, you know, seven, eight years in the NFL. But they've got Smith Schuster. They've got James Washington. They have Dante Moncrief now. They have James Conner. And I'll tell you what, Jalen Samuels, the kid from NC State that was drafted last year, is a guy they love and a guy they played late. They also drafted the guy from Kentucky, Benny Snell Jr., the big back. I liked him a lot. And you've got Ben still. I like the Steelers a lot offensively. I think they're going to be much better than people think. And then defensively, I'm hearing nothing but rave reviews about Devin Bush Jr., Uh, They picked him out of Michigan. He was not a guy Cooley liked at all, but apparently he has shown really well so far. Bud Dupree is a star in the making. Um, TJ Watt's a baller. I like their team. I think Pittsburgh wins the AFC North with a 10-6 record. Now, I like the Browns too. Don't get me wrong. Um, I do not have them making the playoffs. I do, however, have the Browns going 10-6. In six, I think they're going to have a very good season and just barely miss the playoffs, which I guess is sort of what happened last year as well. But you look at their roster, all right, defensively, you add Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson to a D-line or, you know, a, a situation where you all already had Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is an NFL defensive MVP type player. They're going to be really good defensively, not to mention Denzel Ward, who's one of the best young corners in the game. Offensively, OBJ and Jarvis Landry and David Nojuku together. I mean, that's pretty damn good. You know, as a receiver core with a tight end, you know, they got Nick Chubb in the backfield and, and Baker Mayfield. You look at their roster, the only thing you question is their coaching staff. Um, Freddie Kitchens, you know, is the head coach. They hired Steve Wilkes after he got fired in Arizona to be the defensive coordinator. Cleveland's got a lot that you have to be impressed with. I think they. Take another jump forward and go 10-6. and six, Tie the Steelers for the AFC North. But I've got the Steelers winning in a tiebreaker, that division, and the Browns not making the playoffs as a wild card. I'll get to that in a moment. The Ravens, I've got it 7-9. and nine. Now, here's the thing about the Ravens. There may not be a more interesting team in the league to watch this year because John Harbaugh has already told you, we're going to play offensive football the way it's never been played in the NFL. And what that means is their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is a running back. Mark To go, by the way, with Mark Ingram in that backfield. You'll see Trace McSorley on the field as a runner, as a receiver. They have, you know, few offensive weapons. I, I liked the, the Hayden Hurst pick from last year. Apparently he's not really their, their go-to tight end quite yet. Um, you know, they had Willie Sneed from last year, but what they really lost was a lot of players off that defense from a year ago. 
That defense a year ago, Aaron, I thought was one of the best defenses of the last five, ten years. No more Terrell Suggs. No more C.J. Mosley. No more Eric Weddle. Um, I'm forgetting somebody, too, that they also had uh, defensively. Uh, they've made a lot of changes defensively. I still think they will be good defensively in 2019, but not as good as they were a year ago. Do you know who's starting at outside linebacker for them this year? Pernell McPhee. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show they, they lost some stuff from last year's team. They added Earl Thomas to the secondary. Marlon Humphrey you know, is, is hopefully back and healthy. Tony Jefferson's a baller. Um, I, I do like Baltimore's defense, not as much as I liked it last year, and I think the offense is a big unknown. I'm going to be intrigued watching them play, but I think they go 7-9 and nine in a step-back year from a year ago. I get the Bengals bringing up the rear in that division at 4-12. and 12. The AFC South has my first surprise team of the year. I think Jacksonville is going to win the division in the AFC South. Good God, are they still so talented on defense. You take a look at that Jacksonville defense when healthy, especially if they've got an offense that's halfway professional, which they haven't had in recent years. You have Ngakwe, who I loved, coming out of the draft from Maryland. He's turned into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. You still have Marcel Darius and Calais Campbell and Miles Jack. All right, Miles Jack's one of the, you know, think about that injury that he had. He and both um, Jalen Smith, right? We're both sort of injured coming out, perceived to be potential star players at linebacker, but had the serious injury coming into the NFL. Miles Jack is a beast of a player. And then they've got the secondary with the two corners and Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. I love Jacksonville's defense. I loved it last year. And now you get Nick Foles offensively, a professional quarterback, certainly more professional than the one they have had. Um, I like Jacksonville to go ten and six. Uh, I'm sorry, eleven and five, and win the AFC South. I think the Texans and Colts both have a chance to be competitive. I am a Jacoby Brissett fan. I think the Colts take take a step back in this first year with him. Maybe they're better next year. They go eight and eight. I've got the Texans just one game better at nine and seven. You know, despite these trades in recent days, Houston's roster is still pretty damn good. You know, you've got you still have Deshaun Watson and uh, and Hopkins. You still have that offensively. You know, now you've got an actual left tackle to protect Watson. They traded for Duke Johnson. They just added Carlos Hyde offensively. Um, and then on defense, you still have JJ Watt. You still have Whitney Merciless. You, you still have some players there defensively uh, in Houston. I think they're a team that can go nine and seven and contend for a wild card. I got the Titans bringing up the rear in that division at 5-11. and 11. Then we go out to the West. The Chiefs last year, all last year, Aaron, right on this podcast, I said, I don't care how good they are offensively. They cannot go to the Super Bowl with that defense. And they didn't. They lost 38, you know, 37-31 or whatever the final score was in the AFC title game. They've gotten better on defense, though. You know, there are a couple of players to keep an eye on. First of all, they did add, you know, another pass rusher and a big-time D-end in Frank Clark from Seattle. They also drafted a guy that a lot of people are talking about so far coming out of Kansas City, a guy that a lot of people liked coming out of Virginia in the draft, Juan Thornhill. Remember that name. He was a second-round pick of the Chiefs. He looks like a potential big-time contributor and player at safety. Um, to go along, by the way, with Teron Matthew, who they added as well. They're better defensively, still not great defensively, but better defensively. 
And in year two of Patrick Mahomes, look out, especially with the addition, I think, of LaShawn McCoy. I mean, LaShawn McCoy would have been fine in Buffalo. He's perfect for Andy Reid. The two of them obviously did it together once, and he will design an offense that LaShawn McCoy can take advantage of. Tyreek Hill didn't get suspended at all. They've got Travis Kelsey. Uh, they've got Sammy Watkins. They've got McCole Hardman that a lot of people like, the receiver out of Georgia that they got in the second round. I like the Chiefs to win the division, but my real big surprise in the AFC, just talked about it with Scott, had no idea that he had the same team. I love I love Denver. Vic Fangio is a feared defensive mind in the league. They have as good a defensive roster as any in the NFL, especially when it comes to getting after the quarterback with Von Miller and with Bradley Chubb. Uh, they added Kareem Jackson. They've got Chris Harris there. Uh, as well. This is a defense that's going to be top three, four, five in the league this year. Last year they were fifth in DVOA and they had a bad offensive football team with struggles at quarterback with Case Keenum. Turned it over 15 times last year. They had their moments, um, but they had offensive line issues too, and not to put it all on Case. They drafted Dalton Reisner from Kansas State in the second round. They liked him. They added Ronald Leary. They added Jawan James. And they added Joe Flacco at quarterback. Say whatever you want to say about Joe Flacco. There hasn't been a better big game quarterback over the last 10 years, and I'm talking about playoff games on the road in particular, than Cool Joe. And he can throw the deep ball, and they got Cortland Sutton, who I like in his second year out of SMU. I always liked Deshaun Hamilton coming out of Penn State, Emmanuel Sanders, and they drafted Noah Fant the tight end. I love Denver this year. I don't think they'll win the division, although I think they could win the division, but I've got them at 11-5, the surprise team in the AFC, snagging that first wild-card spot. And the second wild-card spot, even if Melvin Gordon doesn't play, goes to the Los Angeles Chargers, who I've got at 10-6, and and I've got the Raiders bringing up the rear in that division at 5-11. So, my AFC picks. New England wins the East. Pittsburgh wins the North. Jacksonville wins the South. Kansas City wins the West. The two wild cards, both out of the AFC West, the Broncos and the Chargers. That would set up a wild card weekend round of Jacksonville Chargers. I've got the Chargers beating the Jags, and then the Broncos going to Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers. Then in your divisional round, Chargers at Chiefs. I like Chiefs in that one. Broncos go to Foxborough. And shock the Patriots. Flacco's done it before. Should have done it twice. Actually, he's won two postseason games in New England. And they should have won that third one when What's-His-Face dropped the go-ahead touchdown pass and then the kicker shanked the kick that would have put it into overtime in the AFC title game. Broncos over Pats. So my AFC championship game, Denver at Kansas City. And I've got the Chiefs winning that game at Arrowhead and advancing to the Super Bowl. Um, if the Chiefs' defense isn't improved and we'll know it early in the year, I will be off them quickly. But God, they have to be one of the two or three most explosive teams offensively in the league, and they've improved defensively. But Denver, major surprise for me. I've mentioned it, you know, all off season with their moves. I like them to be a major surprise in the NFL and make it all the way to the AFC title game. Tomorrow, I'll do my NFC picks. And then Friday, uh, and actually tomorrow with Tommy, we'll get Tommy's Redskins season prediction. I'll save mine 
for the Friday show. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Aaron. Have a good day. Back tomorrow. More picks. Tommy's Redskin season pick, which should be interesting. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. Have a great rest of the day.